Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Hillary. Hey, Augie. Good morning. Hey, yeah. <laughs> How are y'all today? <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. Yeah, doing good. Yeah, well, we're doing good because we're not involved in this lawsuit we're going to talk about today. Uh, yes. um, we're we, we're on the sidelines of this uh, amusement. Um, but I'm OK. So to start and let our listeners know, we are recording um, a podcast on the Supremes hearing. Sorry, this United States Supreme Court, um, not the musical group, um, United States Supreme Court hearing a case from Jack Daniels versus VIP mm-hmm. products. Right. Mm-hmm. And. And the, and it seems silly to me, so I want y'all to tell me why it's not silly, because it seems silly that anybody would mistake a chew toy for a dog named Bad Spaniels for a bottle of whiskey aged in barrels in Tennessee called Jack Daniels. Hillary, do you want to jump in on this, or do you want me to go all legalese? right at the get-go. Well, I, I would say I, I, I want to start without the legalese and for anyone who hasn't actually gone and seen, you know, like a picture or something comparing these two products or seen sort of the marketing, the, the, the text on, on the dog toy. I mean, the reason it seems so silly on the surface, I think is because of how silly the product is. So right. Bad Spaniels, the old number two on your Tennessee carpet, but it's got that same bottle shape. It's got that same fancy flourishing, you know, font from the Jack Daniels bottle that just elevates the whole joke of a dog, you know, taking a crap on the carpet. And I think that's the funniest thing you said, that we're lucky that we're not involved in this case, but I really wish I could have been in the Supreme Court when they were doing these oral arguments because reading some, reading some of the transcript is so funny, the things that they were bringing up and talking about having, right, the justices having to bring up this, as, as I saw one describe, the scatological humor um, actually, uh, I think, makes it seem so very silly and probably did to them at the time as well. Well, and isn't it a squeezy toy? Like, I think it makes noise. Yeah, it is. That's the yeah. other thing. I would be sitting in court. Did it would someone, be hard I, I, for oh, me. Yeah, someone bring it in. Yeah, like, squeak, 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 squeak. Oh, my gosh. I would be doing that the whole time. Augie would have to throw an elbow to make me stop because that would be like squeak, Well, squeak. chances are if you did that, Nia, you would be thrown out of the Supreme <laughs> Court. Uh, I mean, and I'm pretty sure the justices would take a vote and not allow you ever back into the court. They're <laughs> okay. squeaking um, in their hallowed chambers. Yeah, yes, right? <laughs> Uh-oh. Okay, but so so not to go number two on your carpet, right? Is a pretty yeah. clear. It's a joke. It's a parody. It's a yeah. It's a parody of the Jack Daniels infamous trademark, right? Uh, um, and for those who are not uh, bourbon drinkers, um, the, the Jack Daniels bottle is instantly recognizable, and that's what they trademark. Um, and um, uh, we've had uh, Hillary on the podcast previously where um, she discussed <laughs> at great length uh, for us novices about patents and trademarks, um, how Jack Daniels applied for and received from the federal government 
um, a trademark um, a license or protection, if you will. Um, and the federal law in question is the Lanham Act, L-A-N-H-A-M Act, um, which was the federal government's uh, attempt to go ahead and you know, bring some clarity, regularity to uh, corporations wanting to um, get trademark protection. Um, and it's not just Jack Daniels and, you know, bourbon makers. It's a wide array of corporations, which we discussed in a previous podcast episode. Okay. Um, but there is an exception in the law for parodies, right? Um, and and that was in part what was at issue in this case, um, uh, because uh, there were two questions uh, the court, when it took the case, wanted answered. One, if uh, whether a humorous use of another's trademark as one's own on a commercial subject, that commercial product is subject to the Lanham Act's traditional likelihood of confusion analysis. Okay. Um, oh, it's one of those tests. It is one of those tests. The Lanham Act is a test. Hillary, you may not know this, but we did, we have done episodes in the past on tests that the Supreme Court tries to apply in mm -hmm. order to say, oh, this is a like obscenity, right? There's tests for that. There's tests for all kinds of things so that they can have a, a, a better judgment about. So the Lanham Act is a test of confusion. Are you likely to mix these two things up? Yeah. And then so is that when people make knockoffs of like purses that have instead of the the two C's facing outward, they face inward or whatever. And that's how you know it's not a Chanel. I can't remember which brand it is. I'm sorry, I'm terrible with luxury brands, but but anyway, that's how you know it's not that is because they're they're, they're facing a different direction, but they're breaking the Lanham Act by trying to look like. Well, and, they're and, trying to confuse the issue. Is that well? As we discussed in the previous podcast episode, what that usually then leads to is one or both of the companies in question doing market surveys, um, where they try to establish that a large percentage of potential customers either confused the two products, thus, okay, in violation of the Lanham Act. Or if you're the company who has the knockoff, or in this case, a chew toy parody, you try to go ahead and argue nobody's going to go ahead and confuse our chew toy with Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah, because one of those is going to be a lot more expensive than the other one. And one well, of those you're not going to feed to your dog. <laughs> Unless you are a horrible pet owner, you are not regularly pouring whiskey down your dog's gullet like that's just anyway and the numbering the scatological humor right the numbering is that jack daniels is numbered it's number seven or number whatever it, it has to do with their um how um the, the batch that they made right and in which barrels uh the batch was in yes and the number two thing obviously is is what eight-year-old boy humor right like that's it is a scatological reference. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I don't know. I think that's a little silly, but it is silly. But as we were talking before we began recording, 
probably the larger, uh, if you will, legal constitutional issue um, is, um, uh, I mean, some serious questions about the First Amendment, right? So Congress is basically saying with the Lanham Act that there are trademark protections for certain corporations or, and we can even get into this, you know, politicians, you know, campaigns, if you will, campaign mm. slogans, right, et cetera, um, that others who want to engage in free speech, which would otherwise be protected by the First Amendment, cannot infringe upon, right? So that's the tension, right? How do you go ahead and protect uh, a trademark and all that, that it stands for versus individuals like VIP products who made the chew toy who want to go ahead and parody Jack Daniels, okay, for dog owners. Yeah, but Hillary, didn't they put on the back of the bottle, we're not, we have nothing to do with Jack Daniels or something? I mean, obviously, did. it would be mm-hmm. better language because it would be written by a lawyer. It's not, we don't have anything to do with Jack Daniels, but like, it's not a... But it, it was just about that straightforward, right? It was meant, I think it was meant to appeal to this right like reasonable person who would be reading the bottle it's it doesn't even sound very legalese to me so i think you know they were showing that they were really doing their due diligence there too because that's another aspect of some of the tests that the courts have looked at is are you purposefully trying to confuse people or are you not you know not doing that there's no intention to confuse and i think with that statement they made it really clear they weren't which is probably helped you know it's helped them get through the case Mm -hmm. so far yeah and i think that's the the other interesting thing here too is there's these major tensions of course between the first amendment and then trademark protection but at, at each of the levels going through this there's also this debate about which test is even correct to use and it's not just you know the lanham act or first amendment it's specific precedent that has been set over time in different in different court cases um, and how different circuits have interpreted it. So it's always, you know, more and more and more complicated. Is yeah. that how we oh. end up in front of the Supreme Court is because it's unclear from the various courts? Yeah, in, in part. Okay, because I would not think that this would make the level of the Supreme Court. Like, You know what I mean? Like, this doesn't seem like a thing yeah. that would go that high unless it was some divisive yeah, I'm not really thinking something that, that they're trying know, to solve. You know, John Roberts and Elena Elena Kagan were, uh, you know, instructed their clerks to look for a humorous <laughs> case to break the tension. Of Although, the right? Okay. Although, considering how tense they've been lately, this oh, might be this might be sort of like a legal massage for them, right? Well, again, studying the court as long as I have. Most of them, if they do have a sense of humor, um, it is very <laughs> well, very well bur- buried. Yeah, um, but you know, Hillary, you brought up something um, that I think is pretty fascinating, and I think it's one of the reasons why the Supreme Court took an otherwise silly case is that the history of this case um, uh, really shows. Uh, the tension between a trial court and an appeals court. So this case arose um, in the Ninth Circuit, uh, which covers um, uh, listeners, um, basically the West Coast states, California, Washington, Oregon, Hawaii, Alaska, right? 
the trial court found in favor of Jack Daniels and um, rejected uh, the VIP's um, uh, corporation or uh, uh, claim that what they did was part of the Lanham Act's fair use defense. And if that didn't cover it, the First Amendment protected their expressive speech. All right. Um, and uh, the the trial court uh, held that the <laughs> bad spaniel's toy was not an artistic or expressive work, <laughs> and therefore was not supposed to, uh, did not receive First Amendment protection. All right. Oh, which may also hearken to our Andy Warhol. Yes. That may go. Th yes. There may be some tie there with right with. Yes. That's Can you thing. use someone's image? That's a good yeah. That, artistically, he yeah. may be able to get away with it because it was artistic versus this was this, which is theoretically what commercial. They're seeing this as purely commercial. Yeah. They're saying it's not artistic, this toy, which I mean, let's be honest, dog mm -hmm. toys really are. I don't know that I would have relied on it's artistic as a as my defense so much as I would have relied on the First Amendment ability to parody people. Right. Yeah. Freedom of expression. Right. Um, so if you put yourself out there, I should be able to make fun of you. Yes. But VIP appealed to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals reversed the trial court and then sent it back to the trial court, okay, to hold a new trial. Does that ever work out in the winner's favor? Because that seems like that would piss off the lower court. I'm sorry, I shouldn't use that language. <laughs> that seems like that would annoy the lower court. This, this may be the right episode to use that kind of language. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Hillary. Well played, Hillary. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, like when somebody, when the court above you kind of reprimands you by sending something back and saying, no, you need to take another look at this. It's like when a parent says, I don't think that's the right answer on your homework and slides the paper across the page. I mean, across the table, instead of telling you what's wrong, they want you to try to figure out what's wrong. Like, does that ever work? I mean, does that work in people's favor or is that? Yeah. It seems like that would hurt you if that happened. The the courts and politics studies are kind of sort of mixed knee on whether or not try you know the trial courts dig the dig their heels in and either openly ignore the appeals court <laughs> or tries to find another justification to support their initial judgment. Yeah, right? I have to say I'm petty, and that's what I would do. Okay, well, but anyway. But it was funny. <laughs> On remand, the district court <laughs> refused to use the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals controlling precedent about whether or not um, a parody of a trademark would likely confuse consumers. Okay. So it applied a different standard. Okay. Um, ah, to Hillary's point of many standards were used. Yeah. And, um, and <laughs> the district court actually ruled in favor of VIP, but then concluded <laughs> by basically sending a message to the appeals court. And what it basically said was, 
I don't know if I have like an exact quote or not, okay? But it basically said that it would be impossible for a trademark holder to prevail under the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals precedence in applying the Lanham Act, okay? Which is what probably Jack Daniels, even though Jack Daniels lost on remand, that's all that Jack Daniels wanted to hear from the district court. We want some lower court to go ahead and say that the appellate court's precedents are so weighted against the trademark holder that they use that as their wedge to go ahead and file an appeal with the Supreme Court. Okay. Does okay, that make so, sense? So, so they so Jack Daniels loses. Yes. They appeal. Yes. The appeal court says, got a point, and sends it back to the trial court. Trial court finds for VIP again, but in a different way. Okay. Okay. So let, let's get the chronology. Okay. In the, in the original trial, Jack Daniels wins. Okay. I misunderstood. That. Yeah. VIP appeals to the Ninth Circuit. Ninth okay. Circuit rules in favor of uh, VIP, the company that created the chew toy, sends the case back down to the trial court. The trial court does a new trial, rules in favor of VIP, but then gets, since you've already used this word in this particular podcast <laughs> episode, the trial court gets a little pissy, right? <laughs> because it goes ahead and rules in favor of VIP, but then makes a statement to the effect that under the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals precedence, a trademark holder will more than likely always lose if for no okay. other reason because of the First Amendment. So it snipes. It snipes mm -hmm. at the Oh, yeah, yeah. If, the, it, was, it was a snotty. At the court. Yeah, okay. it was a snotty opinion, right? <laughs> you know, it's, and it's it, interesting, too. They point out, it says, you know, it's they they actually called back to all the other cases. And you have to wonder what, you know, these ones were about. Maybe it was the silliness of this case that made them, that gave them this mood to really just go off. They said in seven cases in which the Ninth Circuit has applied this same test. It has never once found a mark irrelevant. Uh, so under this test of whether, you know, if something is expressive, then it counts under the First Amendment. Um, and so it's like it's like it was just one too many. It's just one too many for them. They said, I can't believe you're still you're still calling this bottle making a joke about dog poop. Artistic yes. expression under the First Amendment. This is too far for us. Yes. OK. Okay. It's actually it, it's actually hilarious then too, just in the 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 politics of what's going on. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> so basically, Jack Daniels made a claim that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals was ignoring the explicit language of the federal law. Okay. Um, and <laughs> I love this quote: "To be sure, everyone likes a good joke." But VIP's profit-motivated profit joke confuses consumers by taking advantage of Jack Daniels' hard-earned goodwill. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm not sure hard-earned goodwill applies here, but okay. Well, well, 
I went ahead and mentioned what they have is a and let us be fair. Jack Daniels has a has an international reputation for making fine alcoholic beverages. Yeah, like they are they are relatively expensive comparatively, and they are high quality. And that's like a recognized thing. So they have that reputation. But I'm not sure how in danger that is by a squeaky toy. Like, well, but in in again, in, if you confuse those two things, I I'm not sure we should let you out in the world. Like, I, I don't know. That seems well. Anyway, but well, I also understand that Jack Daniels has a brand to protect. Right? They're trying to say. We don't make squeaky toys. We won't we don't want to be associated with squeaky toys, and we certainly don't want to be associated with squeaky toys that announce on the front scatological humor. Like if they probably if they hadn't put that sentence on the front of that squeaky toy, they might not have been in nearly as much trouble with Jack Daniels. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't well, know. I mean, I mean, who's to stay? I mean, you know, the three of us you think it's pretty funny. It, it is pretty funny, right? On the other like clearly hand, somebody at Jack Daniels does not. <laughs> yeah. And and, uh, and again, uh, listeners, uh, I, I encourage you to go back to the previous episode that, that we had Hillary uh, uh, on and she spoke about this. Um, you know, you know, part of the tension with the Lanham Act is um how do you go ahead and protect commercial interests while also at the same time protect freedom of speech um, found in the First Amendment? Um, and the lines get blurry here, right? Um, so a lot of it does depend on how what test courts used um, and... <laughs> um, uh, and, and, and Nia, are we ready to go ahead... Uh, at the time that we are recording this particular podcast episode, the Supreme Court has already heard oral arguments in the case. The court has not issued a decision yet, but they did hear oral arguments. Um, I, well, I want to ask Hillary a broader question before we get into the specifics of what happened at the at the court. In a capitalist, Hillary, in a capitalist society, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> how is it that how is it that Sorry, let me ask my question in a different way. In a capitalist society, comma, um, won't trademark, won't companies' trademarks always be like the the defended thing? Because if you value making money over anything else, if you value capitalism over anything else, then protecting a brand, I would think, would be the default position, mm -hmm. sort of culturally in the society. Well, I, so I was teaching a, doing a workshop recently actually with some um, art students, design students, interior design and other visual designers talking about issues of, it was more, more about copyright, but you know, one of the key takeaways I was talking to them about is there are a lot of cases where you may have something copyrightable, right? The bottle, the design of this bottle, which is, you know, what I sort of started out talking about, right? You see, there's this distinct shape of the bottle. There's this particular color scheme. There's this particular font and design that's used and they copied those elements. Um, 
And so there's probably like, right, right. There's copyrightable elements, creative elements in this bottle. But what I talk to this class about, you know, is that honestly, there are a lot of, it's going to be easier. It's absolutely easier to go after trademark in some of these cases because there's money on the line and people just care about it more. So the luxury brands you were talking about, right. They, um, almost certainly have, you know, these creative copyrightable, um, elements in their work, but when they want to go after people who are copying their work, they go with trademark because it's just, it's just heavier hitting. And I do think that that culturally has to do with what you're talking about, that, you know, there's money on the line and it's, you're going to have more weight behind you if you're going with trademark versus copyright. You can now, I don't know more. enough to say in the trajectory, you know, of sort of cases like, have we seen things skew more in that direction? But I certainly think, it, you know, if this had been a copyright issue, it, it would have turned out, they wouldn't have been making, you Particularly know, because products. with copyrights, the body of law in regards to fair use of copyright is so uh, um, well-developed and mm-hmm. um, so, if you will, clear historically, um, whereas with trademarks, okay, um, it, it, there isn't as much. And to be quite honest, the courts in this country have been all over the proverbial map in regards to what gets emphasized or privileged, right? You know, do we privilege the commercial interests or do we pr- privilege, if you will, the freedom of expression? Um, but, you know, with copyright law, because of the fair use exception and the fact that the courts have been relatively consistent in regards to fair use um, and it's so well developed, there isn't as much money in, in suing to protect one's copyright as there is with trademarks, right? Um, uh, I mean, Hillary's spot on, okay? Um, but, you know, Mia, to your question, it does reflect okay, the heavy value, significant value placed on commercial enterprise in a country like the United States. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I would think that that the, the, the true point of this issue is, at least to me, is Jack Daniels does not want to lose money. Yeah. Right. They don't want to they don't want to have their brand what what we call diluted. Yes. Right? They don't want to have that sort of <laughs> or they're oh, risky. That well, exactly. Um, or but they don't want to have people say, Jack Daniels, that's that's a brand that does all kinds of crazy stuff. They're like, no, when we when we see that bottle, we want you to think fine whiskey. We don't want you to think anything else. And but, that seems like that's what they're trying to defend here. And VIP is like, dude. Nobody's going to mix those up. Well, I I wonder that there's also a, a, you know, a situation where they also just don't want anyone else to get a piece of their pie, so to speak, right? Because when I'm thinking over, I think I think it's a funny joke. I think it's parodying the seer, and and it's almost parodying it so perfectly that the fact that they brought their lawyers (laughs) to show how serious of a whiskey company they are that they can't take this kind of joke just makes the parody that much funnier. but I, I totally lost my train of thought there. So you no, think that they might be losing money because maybe they could have yes, made a cheap yes. or, or it's not that they're losing money. It's just that they're sort of begrudging in a sense, someone else actually, like, like they mentioned the goodwill they don't want. Because if you, when I was thinking about this toy, I was like, well, 
you could just make a dog toy that's shaped like any liquor bottle and doesn't reference this. And that's not going to sell in the same way. Actually, if you go to their website, they do this with all kinds um, of different beer brands and liquor brands. Oh, okay. Line of toys. And so it's kind of, it's not just Jack Daniels, right? It's kind of their particular niche way into the market. And if they were just making up their own, it probably wouldn't sell as much. So there is kind of an argument to be made that their place in the market as a maker of joke parody products is dependent on the fact that Jack Daniels has established this worldwide reputation. <laughs> and so they don't want them, right? Being There's also another that. side to this. Ah. Jack Daniels doesn't make just bourbon. Mm-hmm. If you go to Jack Daniels store or you go to their website, you can buy a whole bunch of other Jack Daniels merch, right? So, you know, potentially if Jack Daniels ever wanted to go ahead and extend its reach into, say, for instance, <laughs> dog, toys. dog toys, right? Okay. But ah, again, that actually, they'd be out, competing in the market for their own brand. Out during the oral arguments in front ah. of the Supreme Court. Oh, okay. So we have arrived at oral arguments. Yeah. But, but I mean, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> Hillary, I know you read some of the oral arguments. What were your impressions of the oral arguments? Because um, <laughs> I read them all the time, and I always like it when somebody who uh, doesn't have a lot of experience actually reads or listens to the oral arguments. I thought it was so funny. And Nia, you mentioned something earlier, and I said I'll say I'll save that point for later. But you were asking, you know, do you think it would have been even that offensive? You know, the fact that they chose to like make the joke about number two, and I was like, well, the justices got into that. Hypothetically, wondering if it had been a number one joke instead of a number two joke, would it like what? Where would we be right now? Because you know, they always pose these questions of what if, what if this were to happen? What if this were to happen? And and that was one that that came wow. up, you know. That's if, grown if, adult, older people talking about number one versus number two, mm-hmm, which is something mm-hmm. you use when you're talking to small children about what they need to do in the bathroom. Yes. But I wow. think it was, who was it? Uh, Alito. Yes. Yeah. How how likely was it that, you know, again, this reasonable person might think that if it was, you know, talking about number one, that the, you know, there was a joke about urine being in. Yes. <laughs> would would people start to think, oh, that's actually a joke about, you know, Jack Daniels being, you know, dog urine? It, would that be a different case here? Well, in, in what was, Ew. In, in, what Ew. was in what was really <laughs> fascinating to me is, and almost every analysis I read um, uh, uh, kind of sort of supports my conclusion on this. The three liberal justices quite clearly thought the Ninth Circuit got it wrong, okay? Kagan, Sotomayor, Brown-Jackson were all asking questions that were largely supportive of Jack Daniels' position. Oh, that's interesting. I would not have thought that. They thought it was basically settled law and that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals got it wrong, right? Huh. That's um, funny. I would have guessed they would be for Alito, the sort of upstart little guy, First Amendment sort of argument. And they're like, nope. Well, I think because okay. they were saying this isn't, you know, it was it Kagan who was pointing out this isn't an artistic 
thing. This isn't an artistic statement. It's a commercial utilitarian product. It's a dog toy. It's not artistic. Okay. Yeah. That, you know, what VIP was trying to do was make money off of a well-known, if you will, brand, in this case, Jack Daniels. And she said, that's quite clearly covered by the Lanham Act, right? Alito, on the other hand, okay, was the one who kept on exploring with Jack Daniels' attorney, who was, by the way, one of the best-known Supreme Court advocates, Lisa Blatt. He kept on exploring with her, might this not confuse the average consumer? And she... She walked right into a bait dialogue where, you know, she was just like, you know, it won't confuse you, you know, Justice Alito, because you're a smart person and you got a law degree. And he went ahead and once again took a jab at his law school. He goes, I went to Yale, but I didn't learn any law. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's like said this three or four times during nice. while he's been on the Supreme Court. I'm like, okay, really, Lisa? You know, why did you go there, right? Because <laughs> St. Melito has no love for his law school, right? But, you know, and it was fascinating because he was just like, this could be confusing to the average American, which, you know, that almost begs, you know, a different discussion among the three of us. Oh, about okay. the educational system in this country and what we've done wrong. But we've, we, kind of <laughs> sort of, we, we kind of sort of hinted at this in our previous podcast episode because, you know, Hillary, you and I got into this really technical discussion about um, uh, the, the confusion analysis, right? Mm -hmm. How do you establish for a court? that somebody else's use of your copyright, for instance, right, or your trademark would be confusing in the marketplace, right? And you got these competing, you know, surveys, right? Mm -hmm. And then they get into questions about who got surveyed. Is it likely consumers of your product versus the average consumer, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, so, the, the the oral argument to me was just utterly fascinating because you didn't see the normal ideological split, and you saw just some really interesting exchanges between the attorneys and the justices. Okay, yeah. Well, I think the the I mean the reasonable person too. Like, you know, I want to say that it's not unreasonable for any person to think that Jack Daniels might sell parody stuff of their own products. I mean, unless yes. you have, unless your impression of Jack Daniels is, ah, they take them right there, this serious brand. It might just be the preferred whiskey that you like to get drunk on on the weekends. And you're not thinking that so you're not taking them as seriously as maybe they're taking themselves. And it certainly wouldn't surprise me that any company might make parody products of their own material. So I think there's an argument to be made there that, yeah, some, sure, someone might think that Jack Daniels. And then I hear this, I mean, all the time when I'm, again, like talking copyright with art students, this, you know, where do you fall on this really just vague general principle of, is it okay to use other people's stuff or not? And I think more and more in, you know, to counter the, the reasonable person I just, just hypothesized about, 
a lot more people these days are thinking, yeah, of course you can. It's I'm I'm not doing anything, right? I'm not doing anything wrong. Like they put it out there. It's okay. It's in the public domain in this very non-legal sort of sense that they're they're thinking about what that means. Um it's out there. Of course it's okay for people to use and play with and do with what they will. And and and, and to not gum up the works even more for our discussion, think about what you know artificial intelligence apps. Okay. Um, oh, create a whiskey bottle, but with a dog with dog humor and scatological humor. Like it would come up with this. Like it, it would. It wouldn't yeah. take very long before this bottle would show up, and you'd go, "That's brilliant." And I, but I take Kagan's point that it's different when it's art. When you're talking to art students and they're making an artistic commentary, right? They they paint the president with Bozo the Clown hair. Right. Because they're they're making commentary on how they feel about the president, but they get the president's face, you know, dead on. Right. That that's still art. Right. That's still a question to me. And I, I know that's what we're going to eventually talk about with the Warhol stuff is that sort of question of art versus not art. I mean, when the when the uh, when they release their opinion. But. I'm kind of. This is a little different, right? I'm kind of with Kagan in that this is a more utilitarian. They are making money off of a product that is, they didn't do anything artistic to it except add the dog and the humor and the scatological humor. But like the general basis of the of the toy itself was already developed as a piece of art by jack daniels and built over time as a piece of, as a recognizable when you walk into a liquor store you can scan the scan the shelf and quickly find jack daniels i mean it, it's a okay it's a visually neil, known thing okay so neil let me ask you this so with your example of an art student who wants to go ahead and uh express shall we say an opinion about a particular politician, for instance, right? <laughs> Where's the line between um, an artistic expression or a political opinion and something that is infringing upon um, that person's trademark? I know that I draw the line in a ridiculous place, and I know <laughs> you're going to tell me that in just a moment. <laughs> so I'm okay with that. Um, I draw the line at, did you do it for money? Are you making money or are you making a statement? So right. Because to me, if you release that piece of art out into the wild as a, this is my personal meme, how I feel about the president right now, I'm not making money off of it. That's one thing when you, the, I think the line here is these people made a commercial toy like they made a thing that they are trying to make money from okay so then two points so of course so Hillary, feel free to defend me here if you if you'd like i'm fine with that if you're on augie's side feel free to stay silent and not pile on <laughs> <laughs> two points so by your standard as long as they don't take money they're good but if they take any money whatsoever, okay. Yeah, you can't sell that painting. Okay, so in other words, it's all right to go ahead and engage in trademark infringement as long as you remain a starving artist. Yep. 
Okay. Yep. <laughs> Copy the Mona Lisa as long as you don't as long as you don't sell it. Uh, I, I mean, I know that's a ridiculous. Okay, but point line. two. But for me, it's a it's a line somewhere. Okay, but point two, you are then now suggesting that anybody who makes money can have fun while they are making money. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> All right, Hillary, this is where you step in and help. Well, I was going to step in or step in it. I'm probably going to step in it at this point. No. (laughs) So I was going to say, I think, I feel like maybe I have a, you know, a unique perspective to add to this as a dog owner, but as a dog (laughs) owner who loves puns and who frequently makes this exact kind of joke that is being made part of this product. And so I actually think it's really creative. I think it's really creative. I think humor is creative and maybe it's, it's you know seems small enough that it wouldn't necessarily reach this level of artistic stuff but i mean i'm talking like i'm making i'm making dog puns mixing dog puns into whether it's liquor or book titles or song titles all the time as a game um and so i think this is actually i think i think it's actually pretty creative um even though they're making money on it you know they are i talked about this earlier it's it's their own fun way of I don't know, be existing in the market of dog toys is to be making jokes and puns. Um, and I normally have somewhere around the line of you, right, of under, you know, thinking about whether or not you're making money. You know, I think it has bearing on the situation. But in this case, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on that. But I, I think this is funny. I think it's Oh, I think the toy itself is hilarious. Yeah, oh, and yeah. I, but I think not, it rises. To, I think it rises the to the level of. I, I think I'm saying I think it rises to the level of expressive enough to be protected. Yeah. Except I except I'm with you. I'm on this hang up of except the whole the whole underlying problem here is that it is totally a commercial toy making money off. Of, so I so I don't know where I stand on it. I don't want them not to be able to do this. Yeah, neither do I. I mean, and again, I'm a dog owner, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But then what I, are I mean, the implications that, of, them, of anyone that, being then, able to do this? Well, and then, and then why bother to build your brand? If your brand can be co-opted by someone else mm-hmm. in a way that you find repulsive, then you, ha- I mean, it would be probably different if they hadn't made the poop joke, right? Like it probably would have been different if they had just made some other kind of joke on the front of the the bottle. And I hear you on the dogs are full of poop and it's always funny because dogs are funny anyway. Um, but I get it. But I just, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm gray on the whole, on the whole thing of, yeah, but that's a distinct thing that they've built yeah but i think too like we i'm thinking about in terms of copyright you know in this in u.s copyright we don't have for example what's called moral rights which somewhere like in france for example under their copyright law they have this concept of moral rights whereas the author or the creator of a work you do actually have a right to object to uses that you disagree with because you feel in this exact case you feel like they are sort of tarnishing your reputation or you well, just find it objectionable we we don't have that here and so i i don't know exactly you know where this falls along that you don't necessarily like this is why you, you you they're not going with 
the argument necessarily. They're dancing around the right. argument that this is just gross and we feel like it reflects badly on us and we just don't like it. They're having to make, you know, make these cases about the reasonable person. Would they find this confusing? Is there impact on our, you know, commercial value? Yeah, and I think that's a, et cetera. I, I think that's a weak argument for them. The idea that that a reasonable person would confuse these. I, I, it's um, there's a part of me that thinks, oh, it's too bad we don't have moral, sort of that moral question in our law the way the French do. But then I think, oh my great googly moogies, how much would be tied up in, in the courts at that point because people in the United States are offended by pretty much everything all the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that would be a that would be difficult because we'd have that question but i do there's a part of me that understands why france has that and i'm going to go off on a small tangent here very short which is that porn films <laughs> regularly use the quote plots or whatever of of mm-hmm. other works of of known literary or movie works right there is a porn of top gun there is a porn of phantom of the opera right there's all these different porns and and It's in some ways, I wish we did in the United States States have the ability for someone to say that is offensive to what I wrote or my copyright of a thing. Right. Do you think do you think then that the French porn industry must be a lot more like high? I think they're really coming up with a lot more original, (laughs) original storylines because they because anyone could object under moral rights to say you can't. You can't do this. I would imagine that exactly is what's happening in the <laughs> in the porn industry in France. Well, is that either that or they have a smaller porn industry because they don't have the same reaction to naked people having sex on film the way the United States does. I mean, we just don't have that is not regularly done in film, right? That you don't see. Whereas the French are like, yeah, we walked around naked for four scenes and it was just how it was, right? Like they just conduct film that way in some instances. So I don't know if it's if it makes their porn industry probably it does make their porn industry better. Um, you probably have to be higher quality uh, storyteller in order to be in the you know because it goes back to that point of if you were Hugo's descendants. And you didn't want Phantom of the Opera used in that way. In France, you could stop it. In the United States, you can't. But there's another part of me that's like, oh, but we are so litigious. That would be such a huge mistake in the United States to let anybody who had prickly feelings, you hurt my fifis, and so I'm going to sue you for making a parody of something that we would just, but, everything but, would be locked up completely and we'd never see another film. But Nia, one of the great ironies is, the controlling Supreme Court precedent regarding whether the government can regulate that kind of speech is that the government has to show that the speech in question, say, for instance, a pornographic movie or book, lacks serious artistic, literary, political, or scientific value. Right. I remember that test. So in some ways, the Supreme Court, okay, actively encourages the makers of porn in the United States to bring into their plots. Okay? <laughs> Literary quality. <laughs> so for instance, as I tell my students, As we were reading Shakespeare, a gangbang broke out. Well, but, yes. but, but actually those are cases that arose <laughs> after the Supreme Court came up with, and it's known as the Miller test. 
Okay, you had cases. Sorry, the, Hillary. Okay, you had <laughs> you had cases in the lower courts where porn makers, okay, makers of porn movies, went ahead and said, "But the government can't regulate us or prohibit us or target us because the basic plot has a bunch of students studying for." a chemistry exam and they're studying the periodic table and then they started having sex, <laughs> right? Like you do. Okay. <laughs> or you had a bunch of actors rehearsing Shakespeare. Right. And guess what? Okay. An orgy broke out, right? right? Okay. So in some ways, our test for whether or not the government can regulate that speech has to, it, oh, like encourages or incentivizes the makers of said speech to bring in the kinds of stuff that, you know, in other nations or other cultures, the, you know, heirs would go ahead and say, but you're using, you know. Arky, are you suggesting that the law is confusing and unclear? Oh, my goodness, no. <laughs> Perish the thought. So Alita was on the side of Jack Daniels. Anybody else? Oh, uh, Hillary, correct me if my observation uh, is different than yours, but I thought uh, Neil Gorsuch, okay, was um, in, uh, um, uh, wait, wait a minute, you said Alita was on the side of whom? Isn't Alita on the side of the dog? Of the, uh, no, uh, Alita's on the side of the people who made the parody. Yes, as is, as I think, pretty clearly Neil Gorsuch, right? Because Gorsuch, <laughs> he said, could we not decide this case and send it back to the district court? And the attorney for the dog toy was just like, well, the district court, you know, might not give all that much weight to the parody because the district court, I think, two different times has already expressed, okay, their dislike of the parody. <laughs> um, and Gorsuch went in and said, well, most lawyers don't stand at the lectern and impose a win, right? I mean, because the longer this plays out, guess who gets to continue to sell the chew toy? So they can sell, okay, I was going to ask y'all about that. And that's if we, if it's okay, if we wrap up on that point. Okay. So while this is going on, Yes. They, there is no injunction against them selling these toys. Nope. So they are continuing to make money. So let's just pretend, for the sake of argument, that Kagan et al. takes the day and and Jack Daniels wins this case. Yes. And these people have to stop making this chew toy. I'm assuming that they will instantly stop making the other toys, because if not, those companies will immediately take them to court to make yes. them stop. Right, like the as Hillary said, the beer companies and the whatever they, or at least they could, they could take them to court to make them stop. But what happens to the money that they have made in the meantime? Will that be that won't be granted to Jack Daniels? Right, they still get to keep there, what there, they've made. Is that there, correct? There would be a separate lawsuit if Jack Daniels wants. Jack Daniels could file a separate lawsuit asking for the profits of this chew, chew toy to be turned over to Jack Daniels. But every day that Jack Daniels does that, every day that Jack Daniels brings these toys to light, they sell more. Yes. 
right? So it's in Jack Daniels' best interest if they win here at the Supreme Court to totally just walk away. Walk away, let it let it stop, make it stop, but let it be done. Like and this is where accountants, okay, <laughs> and um uh bean counters jump in and do an analysis as to what will be the increased costs and what will be our benefits. Because if you're VIP, one of the things that you would have to calculate if they lose is what's the likelihood the other companies that we have been parroting will sue us. Mm. Okay. So, Hillary, I have a question for you about, I know this is weird, but you know how, I know the whole discussion is weird. You know how in some musical cases when a when an artist has been found to have accidentally used <laughs> or intentionally used someone else's beat or right riff or whatever mm-hmm. it is that they've been found to do and the original artist gets a cut mm-hmm. of the of then going forward the royalties on the other artists like they don't say and you have to put that genie back in the bottle and nobody can ever play that song again because that would be ridiculous there's no way you could do that so w- instead they usually say we want a cut of whatever you get from that record could they do that in this sense could jack daniels say we want a cut of the money. Hmm. I mean, if they were willing to make a deal with them, I don't think there's the same like compulsory sort of licensing system, right? There's 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 a whole really robust licensing system set up for music licensing just because okay. of how complex it is. Um, they would just have to create right a a one off legal agreement. I think they would be totally. Uh, right like it would be interesting it would undermine their argument it would under right it would undermine the argument i mean at this point they would have won so who cares but right going going after that even i think going after the profits that the company made would be undermining themselves a little bit about this idea that it was just for our reputation you know this is a this isn't about this isn't about the money it's just just because Uh, you know we we love our customers and we don't want them to be to have to see these gross we don't want them to we don't want them to be confused and think that we that we make Mm -hmm things that make you poop on the floor um which is i don't know who again i come back to the question of i'm with alito on the who what reasonable human but well the but, kind i mean if look if you're drinking too much whiskey who knows what's gonna happen you know <laughs> sorry you that particular phrase either was all i could think was like I mean, maybe it's just because I'm from Alabama and you know, Jack Daniels is a, is a drink, right? It's a cultural drink of choice of every type of person, right? Like it's Actually, not just for the fine, the fine whiskey drinkers. It's for anybody. Who, okay. You know? Actually, I was going to say, you can tell Hillary is a dog owner because. Yeah. Um, like you don't know what's going to happen to you after you drink a bottle of Jack Daniels. You might just poop on the floor. Okay. I love Hillary's. <laughs> I mean, the the, the, punch, <laughs> the punch line she has offered in this podcast. That's, that's the best. The best. <laughs> and when, when she goes ahead and discloses she's from Alabama, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you got, you have this, okay, <laughs> in spaniels, right? I was <laughs> poor, bad pun, but nevertheless, right? Uh, okay, but. So um, when will we find out, Eva? Um, excuse me? ever will we find out ever uh yeah i mean they haven't uh, been releasing the, their 
Hillary, we just did an episode not too long ago on them being slow, and then they promptly released three. Three. I'm pretty sure somebody at SCOTUS listens to the podcast because the next week they released three opinions after we had said they haven't been releasing any opinions. And they went, oh, yeah, boom, boom, boom. And so maybe if we say to them today, they'll never release this and they'll release it sooner. Well, worst case saying, reverse psychology on the SCOTUS. Well, the worst case scenario is we won't get this until June. Uh, but with this particular case, I think more than likely we'll probably see something in um, uh, early May. Um, I'm intrigued that no one put that no one put an, a, a stop to the making of the toys well, in the meantime. Like there's no injunction to do. Did did Jack Daniels try to get an injunction? Was um, that a part of their original? No, they never asked. Um, I, I, I think in part because they probably thought that they were going to win. And when they win, did win um, in the first uh, trial, um, you know, why go ahead and ask for an injunction? Um, but then the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals steps in <laughs> and then really gummed up the works. <laughs> well, and you have to admire, just to end on a positive note, you have to admire the little guy. Who's going? Who's going after Jack Daniels? Like who's trying to fight? Yeah. Because a lot of times when big corporations knock on your door, boom, boom, boom. When you open the door and there's a giant big corporation standing there with eighteen thousand lawyers, you're like, okay, whatever you want to leave me alone, I will do. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't, I don't want to fight this. And good for VIP that they're like, nope, we will take you all the way to the Supremes. We're going to try to figure out this question, not just for this line, but for all the things we do and for the other people in the market who are doing similar things. Yeah. Because um, I'm sure that there's a bunch of people on the parody side of the market that are looking at this, waiting to see what the Supremes are going to do, right? This is mm -hmm. not just this case. This is a lot of other parody products that it's, are waiting to yeah, see not, yeah, how it comes only, out. Yeah. It's not only the parody products, but uh, giving guidance to the lower federal appeals courts, um, um, and uh, and, it, and it also will send a message to Congress. If this is not the outcome that you like, um, you know then, how to fix it. Yeah, you need to change the landing. <laughs> um, particularly if the court does um, uh, does not issue a decision based on the uh, the Constitution, um, which I can't understand why they would use uh, the, the Constitution if they're going to rule in favor of Jack Daniels. Um, you would use the First Amendment to go ahead and protect VIP products um, and their uh, right to parody <laughs> uh, well-known product lines. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Thank you both very much for this episode. It has been fascinating and funny. Yes. <laughs> and a little gross, and I appreciate all those things. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Hillary, for uh, 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 schooling us once again on copyright and trademarks. We <laughs> we are greatly uh, appreciative. So. Yep, always always a good time here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
www.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.